I'm Sadeh. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 133 of Shades of Brown. And to start start this episode, we have some uh, feedback and uh, follow-up from our last episode, which turned out to be one of our most popular episodes ever, I think. Uh, it's 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 uh, surprisingly uh, well-received. Uh, thank you to everybody uh, who sent us feedback. So, so our, we received some feedback about the, some of the comparisons that we made, right? Uh, one of the comparisons that we made uh, to an open source project was uh, WordPress, right? At WordPress, we client, we said that WordPress has a good uh, onboarding process and has a good installer, is easy to use, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the, the thing that we didn't, I, I guess, mention is that WordPress is actually well, it's, it's, it's corporate funded, Right, uh, it is automatic. Inc. is the co- is the corporation uh, in charge of the WordPress project. Uh, Who uh, just bought Tumblr a couple months back? For reference, they did indeed buy Tumblr. Yes, uh, they also yeah. So they they are they are the stewards of the WordPress open source project. Uh, so it's not really fair to compare them to other open source projects that are, do not have such. Uh, they they like they have income streams right like they have WordPress.com and WordPress.com VIP which has like really big customers so they they have they have a certain amount of funding that is not necessarily like other other open source projects are not necessarily uh, have access to that kind of funding so that I think is like a good point and it's like it's not really a good it's not really a direct comparison at like as in from a funding standpoint, but also I think at the same time I should say that WordPress is a good example to look at. I feel like to see what kind of like UX uh, things that you can do, uh, and what or, or of- even from uh, from a project that say isn't specifically corporate funded but has corporate sponsors. Because once again, the Mastodon project does have corporate sponsors. But if we look at desktop environments on Linux, right? Like GNOME, the GNOME project, and KDE. They have corporate sponsors, but they also have individual patrons. There isn't like a corporation, right, that runs the GNOME project. There are corporate and it, uh, I mean, I think the KDE project is run by a nonprofit. Uh, let me let me just. I know I know look. the QT, like the company that makes QT, does does um, financially contribute. And obviously, QT itself contribute to KDE. Right. There's the KDE Free QT Foundation. Uh, and KDEV is the, uh, okay. So KDEV is, is, is just, uh, is, is the, is the nonprofit org that represents like the KDE community in, uh, legal and financial matters, right? So they have, they have a legal, I mean, it's not really a corporation in, in the same sense that we're talking about. It's a nonprofit, uh, a German nonprofit, I believe. Uh, and that, that makes it more in line with the Mastodon project being a community project, right? Because obviously there's still the Mastodon project is not, you know, it's not like 30 people are giving Gargon like 25 bucks each on Patreon and that's it for funding. There are corporate sponsors for Mastodon itself. Right, right. Um, and Mastodon, I don't think, has uh, any sort of like legal. Uh, org behind it, like a uh, legal org, as in, I mean, like as a nonprofit or a corporation, like uh, LLC or uh, fi- like in the in an American sense, it would be a five hundred one c three, right? Uh, but it, but uh, obviously, it's it's managed by Gargon, and Gargon is an individual in Germany, uh, and I don't think it is any sort of German uh, nonprofit legal entity of any kind. I, I believe I, I might be wrong. If anybody knows. The details of this, I, I do not follow. For once, for once, Europeans, please add us. 
<laughs> for once. Uh, so, so to transition into the second bit of uh, thing that we talked about, about how we, like, like we, uh, one of the points was like how we sell Mastodon to somebody, I don't like, at a protest or whatever, uh, was that the thing you don't sell is Mastodon as the software you sell Mastodon as the individual instance, right? Yeah, and the obvious the obvious example of this would be email, right? You don't like if you're trying to get someone on your hip new email service. Or actually, I think there's because there's a more relevant example you talk about the folks behind Basecamp are making Hey, right, an email service, and their pitch for it isn't this is email. You should use our email, but this is email. Pick a provider, but this is email that we also happen to make an app for. Their pitch for it is, we're making a client that works with email, but this is one that protects your privacy, has these features, blocks tracking pixels by default, which makes it a more compelling sell. And I think that maybe that maybe that I can see that argument for say like Snouts Online, right? If you're if I'm if I'm a hyperlink and I'm trying to sell someone on Snouts Online, I would be like, okay, this is a community site that can also talk to other communities, but mostly this community site is full of, of like gay furries. And this is, we have like, we use this cool software for it. It respects your privacy. It doesn't track you. You should join Snouts online. Yeah. So, so I think we, I think the point was like, it's like you don't, you usually when you try to sell Mastodon to other people, it's you don't give them, I don't, you don't give them the instances, the social page, right? Uh, you, you give them your, either maybe your instance, the, that you want them to join. Uh, or like another instance that might be suitable for them, right? Uh, like you give them an invite or something like that, right? So it's, yeah, so that's, that's, I think that one is, that one, that, that one is, was a fair crit because I feel like we really, I think we sort of over exaggerated, uh, the way we, uh, sell Mastodon to people. And, and I think, I think there might be a larger conversation that won't be for this episode on how, open source is as a whole tends to sell protocols rather than implementations right from how they speak about things but that's a bigger conversation for that's another a very day big conversation um, uh, but once again thank you to uh Asinix from astonix.dog for the feedback um thank you yes uh thank you everybody who uh who said kind words about that episode it was uh, it's weird to me every time somebody uh, says that they listen to our episode other than uh, it's like really weird. Uh, but oh, man, I've, at least you haven't had it in person. I remember one time I was at the, <laughs> I went to, I went out to the bar, right? You know, it's a Friday night back when you were able to go outside and it was a responsible thing to do. You know, I'm ready to get lit. I'm ready to get, you know, just go wild, get zooted, you know, as the kids say on TikTok. I think I don't use TikTok. I don't know. Um, and I run into my one boy and I like, this is this guy I went to high school. I hadn't seen him in a hot minute. And then he was just like, hey, man, what's up? And I'm like, yeah, it was good, bro. I see you a hot minute. How you doing? Your girl's good. Your mom's good. Blah, 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 blah. And then he had mentioned like, oh, by the way, yeah, I've been listening more to your podcast. It's good. You've been having a good run. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that's, sick. That's, 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 that's and then I'm strange. thinking back to all the ridiculous shit I say. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you said that. And you're putting, I've said that. And you're putting a face to it right now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep that's, that's always weird. So let's, With, let's, let's shit post about Android 11. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Android 11. Yeah. So Android 11, uh, the, I guess the first beta, I guess this is the first beta. Uh, yeah. There's developer previews prior, but this is the actual first public beta release. Uh, okay. So this is a public beta release. Uh, this is available for, Pixel 2, 3, 3A, and 4, right? Uh, Which, to, it, it's important to note, this is far less devices than Android 10. Because remember, Android 10 used to have like Samsung, some like Xiaomi devices, some other devices included in that beta. Yeah, I think I think just that because of the situation all around the world, I think just like OEMs are probably not geared up 
to fully support like a beta release at this point, right? Probably, uh, probably things are behind on behind schedule. Uh, so, so I would imagine a lot of OEMs are just not ready to have an Android 11 beta build, uh, for their, like for their specific devices. Uh, so, so just the pixel devices for now, uh, uh, and so let's like talk about the, like the, oh, sort of like the, um, the overall theme that, uh, Android 11 is going for is not, is not like brand new features, but, uh, overall they're going for like trying to improve what the OS, like what sort of complexities the OS has and how to present it in a more uh, sensible way to the user, right? Uh, Which is the story of the last couple Android releases, right? Because I think the story, we've, we've talked about it, we always come back to it, where each new Android releases, rather than, say, add a whole bunch of new features, like these are mature operating systems. Android's been around almost a decade, right? Like I think, I might be wrong on my versions, but if we use, like, say, Windows versions or... Um, say Mac OS versions, I think we'd be at like Snow Leopard Windows Seven era in terms of the maturity of mobile I think operating systems. Maybe, uh, but it if is, we count, yeah, if we go is. from like two thousand, right? If we say like Windows XP through like so two thousand is a starting point, not NT, but like or NT based Windows releases or Mac OS ten, right? We'd be at like the Snow Leopard Windows Seven Vista. Yeah, era Snow Leopard was uh, famously a very very good Mac OS release. Shout out to a Snow Leopard. Uh, so with Android though, that's sort of like there are bigger rewrites going for core. Uh, operating systems users like 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 scope storage we could talk about later but i think from the user presenting part um once again you know how like if we want to take an image here you know like in apex legends you have those executions that you can do when someone's been downed imagine um loba which is my new girlfriend is android and then uh pathfinder is ios notification center and it's just being executed right now because once google's just doing laps around apple on their notifications Okay, so let's let's talk. I let's talk about that. So there, uh, the, the, there's a blog post by uh, uh, Stephanie Kubitson, uh, the Android Developers Blog, and the and they said the uh, they said like the the focus on three key themes, right? People, controls, and privacy. So let's start with uh, in this case notifications, and which means people here. Let's talk uh, about chat apps. <laughs> let's talk about yes, essentially chat apps and uh, essentially notification management and notification management. UX. Uh, so that's the first big one, uh, as mentioned, chat apps is conversation notifications, right? Uh, this is huge. This is, I mean, the, huge as in like, this is a, like, uh, I wish, I wish iOS would fucking just steal this feature is, uh, there is a dedicated section at the top of the, of the shade, right? Uh, like where you can, you, you, your chat apps will, all your chat apps when they support this, uh, API, I suppose, uh, will just be in that specific section section and we'll have conversation specific actions right like such as opening uh the conversation as a bubble uh creating a conversation shortcut on the home screen like as i i I would imagine that's like a direct like deep link like you'd create a deep link shortcut that would just go straight to that conversation yeah so how that basically works is um at a technical level android has a windowing system right where you can have different activities pop out as a window so basically what you have to do in code is you say load a specific when you tap on this and it pops into a bubble or it loads in that view, right? You basically loads a specific instance of the compose window for your chat app, and it'll let you send a message and go through the history there. Right, and also finally, this is finally they're making bubbles an official thing, right? Uh, bubbles, use, bubbles as uh, Android users will know, has been around since 
like 2012 with chat heads and Facebook messages. Chat heads, right? Uh, and and how how apps used to do it is to they used to pop. They used to essentially put a whole new window, but the window would like they would change the window obviously to look like a bubble, right? Uh, but now there is an actual proper bubbles API that you can uh, use, like messaging and chat apps can use the bubbles API and use that method. It's more. It's like it seems so well, more well-rounded, and like you can. Enable. It's also more secure because the prior API to draw over other windows was an accessibility permission that lets you read the entire screen. So basically, Facebook would, in theory, be able to read whatever it was popping the bubble over, right? So it could read. Yeah, like- te- technically. So this is just in in some ways, this is also like yeah, pri- a privacy change, and like it just makes this. Instead of a hack, it sort of like makes this an official way to do it, so you don't use the hack anymore. Um, consolidated keyboard suggestions um i think that's like uh so what consolidated keyboard suggestions means is let's say for example you're on ios right and uh i get a telegram message from you saying hey where are you at i'm by the park and the keyboard will automatically read that message and then suggest my location what this api does is that it allows for android to do that without the keyboard needing your location and pop in a suggestion that if, that the keyboard can put an autocorrect, right? But that's also the keyboard can't read it. So let's say, for example, you asked me for my location, Android can get the location, put it as a suggestion, and the keyboard will never see what my location is. Oh, so that way, so that way, so if you're using a third party keyboard, uh, it won't, it won't have, it won't need location access. Right. right? And ditto for contact information. Let's say, um, you asked me, what's my email address, right? As it, and the system knows it's a smart recommendation. So Android will pop in my email address for my own contact. And the, and the application I'm using, the keyboard, won't be able to see what my email is. That's, that is that is pretty cool, actually. That's another small thing that I think they're trying to do, the privacy thing here. Um, while we're on the topic of keyboards, we should talk about the new IME animations API. And you might be thinking, you might be thinking, what 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 is this? This is what friends... so. There, there's always been this thing with Android where if you tap a text box, the keyboard animation of it popping up and the window resizing to fit the new keyboard, those are not in sync. Those have always been happened one after the other. Whereas on iOS, you can even scroll to say the bottom of like a Telegram chat, right? And if you scroll up, it'll pop up the keyboard or ditto an iMessage. Or if you tap the keyboard, it'll be a faster and or you tap the text box would be a faster animation than say um if you sli- if you just normally would bring up a keyboard and that's because the window resizing and the keyboard animation are in sync android now has an api for it i can now buy an android phone that is that is the moral of this story <laughs> so this is uh this was in the uh i think this was in a video uh one of the talks that they released as, as they're doing the for this year uh called uh What's new in system UI, right? Uh, I believe that's the, that's the talk that shows this animation in action. And if you want to take a look at what that looks like, I, you, I would suggest you, uh, watch that specific talk because it will like, should give you a demonstration, but it looks, it looks nice. I mean, it, it's one of those things that you're like, holy shit, they didn't have this. And then you're like, uh, then you're like, whoa, uh, but that's cool. Uh, so what? So what else? We're talking about uh, animations. We're talking about. Well, I think with the notification stuff, I think there's one more important point to to talk about before you move on to the rest of the feature set, and it's that Android is now prioritizing like the person you're talking about over the app you're using to talk to them, which I think is an important part because ultimately the 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 reoccurring 
free space i think on the show now is like i have ten thousand chat apps and i talk to one person in each of them and if android's notification design it now doesn't prioritize what app it is right you basically when you look through your notifications i'm going to see your face i'll see my friend's yeah. face so if you uh, for example one of the big things is if you mark somebody as uh like if you prioritize somebody in a chat app in, a, in, in the chat app section uh they will actually like their notification will show up as their picture on the top notification bar right like it will show up instead of the app it will show up as the person instead of the app icon right which ultimately is important and it's how people work right like i don't if i get if i if i get a message from discord saying hey you have five new discord notifications as is on ios right and i and i expand it and i scroll through it i just see the discord icon continuously i don't see the person's face whereas it's more important to me to get the visual feedback of oh i have a discord notification let me scroll through this oh i see that's that's x person's face okay let me open that up and respond to it because i want to it's important for me to respond to that person quicker yeah so it, it is uh one of the one of the themes that one of the themes that are talking about is this people right uh and they, they they even had a slide where they're like uh they, our research shows that people are uh more like more interested in notifications from people they care about than apps uh i mean i mean no shit but like the, the, it seems to be like they are actually for actually focusing on it like i and i wish i wish ios would just please for the love of god the notification center i'm dying uh please please just just steal these like i i don't care uh if, if it makes you look bad just please like listen some of the other features we're going to talk about are straight up ripped out ios and we're not complaining at all so apple listen if you literally just made a conversations view where any app could plug into it and i would be able to cipher through my random at here's on discords and someone dming me i'd be a happy person because right now when i get a bunch of discord notifications i clear all of those out because i don't know and i don't care like yeah it's uh, discord notifications are actually the worst uh well actually discord is a react native app and this is a native api so as much as we're saying this is a great change you got to be a native software to do it and as we learned with discord discord you can't even respond to messages on ios from their notifications because of how they don't use a native implementation yeah you cannot uh which is why which is why i avoid using this the discord ios app because it actively makes me annoyed uh so that's that's i mean we're not let's not get into it let's talk about <laughs> actually let's talk about device controls uh and media controls device controls is uh actually for it's like basically the uh, android equivalent of uh home right the uh the yeah, the, the iOS home app for like, like the, the home kit uh, stuff. Yeah, so like you home manage it, lights of it. and uh, like lights and garage doors and things like that, right? Uh, uh, so and they placed it in like a specific section where it's uh, like you can press the, you long press the uh, power button and it will bring up the uh, device controls immediately, uh, which is which is cool. Uh, media controls are like. Like up there now with the where the what would call the control center part of the shade, right? Like uh Yeah, the quick settings area. And I think it's important to note from an API perspective how this works as well. Because on iOS, they basically copied the iOS version of it where let's say for example, you are listening to a podcast on Overcast on iOS, right? And you pause it and then you go away. After a while, the app gets thrown out of memory once you pause it, right? Like it's not it, it's not like iOS doesn't keep it in memory for much long, but the notification can stay there. Or if you open up the control center, it'll show your podcast as the last thing played. You hit play and it automatically resumes it. Android didn't have that feature. This a this new media player now will save. Like if you're listening to a song at Spotify, it'll show it on the lock screen. It'll show it there. 
it also saves the progress into memory on android side and manages it so you can technically resume playback from there without it being hacky and it just being a native feature from the system yeah which which i really like i i, I really love these kind of like quality especially with media feed playback things because one of the things that i do a lot on a phone uh now it is uh is is media playback uh so this is actually really fucking cool uh what else is there anything i don't think there is anything else on the notifications front but like it is all. It is still years ahead of anything that iOS is doing right now. So, like, it's they are just moving forward, and it's like very embarrassing uh, that iOS still feels like it's 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 a hell to manage notifications. I mean, basically, the joke is for iOS, right? Is that you buy an Apple Watch to manage notifications. Not because notifications are better, but because you'll get so annoyed of your watch buzzing all the time, you'll turn off notifications for anything but chat apps. Yeah, that's that's what I did. That's that's what I did. I turn off notifications for most apps, uh, and basically, the only apps remaining that get I get notifications from are me- like the, the the couple messaging apps that I use. Right? That's that's it. That's 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 all there is. Uh, because because having like having iOS apps notify you is is like basically a waste of battery life because it's like i will not see them i will not see the notifications or or even worse is the apps that don't notify you youtube <laughs> sorry what was the cop oh yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a whole whole thing is that youtube is bad at push notifications and notifying you when streams go live please fix it youtube uh i would like to get notifications thank you uh so let's talk, like one of the other themes is privacy, and we talked about a few like privacy related things, but there's like specific privacy related things that are they are like focusing on those uh those uh, entire uh video on it uh, uh called all things privacy in Android Eleven, uh, which you should watch for the amount of shit talking that's done in it because they're they take the perspective of they they come in and they're like well what do I need to do for my app to support these new privacy purposes to talk about and the guy basically was or i can't remember whoever was giving he was basically like if you're a good android citizen and you already follow our best practices nothing your app won't break and then he was like if you don't however for whatever reason for your legacy app your application will crash <laughs> this guy yeah the guy the way that the very deadpan way he was presenting it made me laugh because he was just like just if you're following the best practices, you're good. Uh, but otherwise, you're fucked. Uh, so let's talk about like a few of the themes here. Like one of them is what the one-time permission thing. And this is, uh, this is a thing that they, they, uh, copied from iOS. And I'm glad. They- Actually, this is better than iOS is because iOS only works for, lo- iOS only has only once for no- for location. If your camera pops up, right, you can't ever, you, there's no only once option for camera, microphone, or contacts. Oh, so this is for, this is, oh, this is not just for location. This is for device, microphone, camera, or location. Oh, that's, that's, it's even more, it's better. Okay. So the apps can like, so in that case, the apps, like, I think the, the presenter said like after like 15 minutes, the, the permission is revoked automatically. Right. Uh, uh, so it is only this time. So if you have like an app, for example, uh, that wants your, uh, access to your location and you, you say only this time it will give you the location. And then after a while, like after like 15 minutes of the app being in the background or being closed, it's, it's going to go away. Like it, it has to request the, the permission again. Um, or I think another good example is say, for example, your, um, 
someone's making you try out a new chat app because people don't like the state of one app and they're always humping the apps and i guess i'm installing riot again jesus christ please end this all and then you're just like hey let's do a video call on uh jitsi or riot or whatever matrix uses nowadays please don't at me i actually know what it is i'm just being sarcastic um and then so you don't want to do that but you're kind of like i don't want this app i just installed to always be able to see my camera and microphone so you say only this once for that video call you try out and then when you realize the software is garbage you can just close out of it and you never have to worry about it accessing your data again. right so it says uh while your app's activity is visible your app can access the data if the user brings the app to the background your app can ac- continue to access the data for a short period of time. If if you launch a foreground service while the activity is visible and the user then moves your app to the background, your app can continue to access the data until that foreground service stops. Uh, if your app... Which basically means, which basically means, I guess, because that's a little technical way of saying it, while your app's in memory and it's actually being used, you get the permission. Once they exit out of the app and any background tasks have finished and a system decided to kill your app, 15 minutes afterwards, you will no longer be able to access that permission. Yep, exactly. Uh, if the user revokes the one-time permission in system settings, your app cannot access the data regardless of whether you launched a foreground service. Uh, as with any permission, uh, if the user revokes your app's one-time permission, your app's process terminates, uh, which is an interesting thing. I guess to... Uh, I guess because it will have to ref- like the app will have to relaunch with the new permissions. I guess right. Like- well, that's how iOS works. If you um like for example, or actually macOS also works the same way. If Discord, right? If I need to revoke camera or microphone permission from Discord, it you it'll quit force quit the app. Okay, I see. Okay, I mean that so that makes sense to me from a technical perspective. Uh, and and it says like if your app already already follows best practices when it requests runtime permissions, you don't need to change your app to support one time permissions. Uh, so that, I'm guessing some developers are going to find out that they uh, that they should uh, actually indeed follow. Uh, Rest in peace, Tasker. <laughs> Tasker. That's um, a name, right? That's a name we haven't heard in years. Uh, that's a thing that I haven't talked, haven't heard of, and used in a, in a long, long, long time. Uh, so another one related to permissions is the permissions auto reset, uh, which is. If users haven't used an app for an extended period of time, Android 11 will auto-reset all of the runtime permissions associated with the app and notify the user. The app can request permissions again the next time the app is used. And one of the things that, so related to this, is one of the things that uh, the person uh, presenting this talked about uh, uh, is that mo- there most of the apps on your phone go unused, right? There's a lot of apps that people install and they use Maybe they use like once a month, maybe, or even like maybe once a year or whatever. And then they like, or, or you are in the US and your carrier throws bloatware on there, right? You buy that Galaxy S20 Drip Ultra Verizon edition. You know, you're getting Verizon Navigator, Verizon Contacts. And you also know that Verizon is totally using your location permission to mine your location and sell it for ad data. So in this case, like Android Allen will like reset all of the runtime permissions, right? Uh, and like it will basically, like remove the permissions and then it will like the next time you launch the app it will uh, ask for the it'll have to ask for the permissions again which i mean good like that's good because it will it will one of the things that this will do i feel like is reduce permission abuse from updates right like if if you have an uh, for example if you have a game uh, installed and all of a sudden the game gets bought by like some shady company that sells your data uh, and they like, then they like start using some permissions that were formerly harmless and they start using those for bad things. Uh, and you haven't played that game maybe in a long time. Maybe you just forgot you don't want to play it anymore. Uh, you did not uninstall it. You, it will no longer be able to use those permissions. So, so you know, uh, it, it prevents that kind of, 
um, abuse, right? Because uh, remember, we had those stories about how games that were accessing microphones in the background, right? And location in the background to do like really gross ad stuff. Or even more so, you remember games that do adware, they shove it in your notification drawer. They, this sort of permission resetting, if the game hasn't been launched, it's just going to kill all the permissions that it would use to try and target ads towards you or put them in your notification drawer, which I think is the most important part of this. That really protects non-technical users. It is. I think one of another thing Narayan mentioned. We keep talking about this guy. I should. I feel like I should say his name. Uh, he mentioned that uh, like the OS, like it is a it is a computer, and like we sh- we shouldn't put the onus of managing all these privacy things onto the user itself, and the OS should in act in the user's best interest, right? It should be able to, like, it should help the user understand pr- privacy options. And it should help the user manage these permissions. Like, it's, we shouldn't, like, uh, he said that one of the big themes that we focused on is that we didn't want users to manage all of this automatically, all, all of this manually, right? Because then users will not do it for whatever reason, and it will it will actually be worse for their privacy, right? If um, if you if you just do it automatically, if you have like some pseudo heuristic, uh, and we do it for them because the, it is a computer, and I feel like the, the computer should you know do these kind of things uh, for the user when ap- applicable, right? So uh, and of course for um, those of you who may be thinking this is destroying your software freedoms for whatever reason, you can turn off this in system settings. There is the ability for applicate for users to save for this app, right? That they would never reset permissions for, for whatever reason, if you want apps to be able to access your location consistently without you ever opening them. Um, I don't know why you would want that, but I guess if you want, Oh, so actually, about location, I think this isn't in the notes, but we sh- they did mention it in the talk where apps like on iOS can no longer prompt the user for always location permissions. You have to go into system settings. Yes. Uh, so I was about to, I was actually going to get to that next. It's the next on my list is background location is now going to be, uh, a, it will require use like a second prompt. And this prompt is not in the, uh, not in the app. It's not a prompt that the app shows. It it has to take you to system settings, uh, right? Uh, and like it, it it really like there is like and also there's app review considerations apparently uh, that yeah Google has to whitelist any app that uses background locations manually by Google um, Play uh, support or like team member. Okay, uh, so that's, I mean, that one is, I think, one of the big ones, right? Like, I feel like we've talked about, I mean, all of these are good, but like background, the background location thing feels like the biggest, uh, biggest change in, in relations to like, uh, location-based privacy, uh, concerns, right? Because it, like, background location usage is one of those things. It's like, it's probably the one concern that, probably most users have is well our apps using my location in the background without me uh necessarily knowing it's going on right like what apps are doing that why is it doing it how often is it doing it right like ios addressed this by like having users that like having apps that do background location pinging have like show up as like uh like the short of a map, right? Yeah, you get shamed every week. Every seven days it'll show you it'll say hey um the hot Bitcoin mining app you download has tracked your locations eight times in the past four days. And here are the places on the map that they can see that you're at. Uh, do you, are you sure you want to keep sharing the location? Because ultimately, what do you need background location for, right? Because if we say, let's say weather, weather is always the example. Well, let's say I want weather to be notified once per day in my notification. I want rain, right? To be notified once per day. Why do you need my? 
precise GPS location for that. If you're going to send a network request anyway as a part of the call, right, to do the set a notification, why can't you just use my IP address and get like for my city? Why do I don't why do you need to be sending pinpoint like super accurate location requests in the background? If I'm getting a weather notification, like you could just find my general area. Also, most 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 I I another thing is that it, one thing the iOS uh, weather app is like if you like it will update the current location per using location uh, permissions, but like most of the time I'm not, I'm in the same city. Uh, it's I don't need uh, d- needed to dynamically update the city I'm in because it's, it's not changing. Uh, but that's another thing, right? Like it's it's many only a few things actually require background. Like I'm trying to think of things that actually require background location. And I would imagine one of the things that do require is probably things that automate based on location, right? Like if you have some sort of geofencing uh, thing going on, right? Uh, like I, I'm trying to think of what geofencing things would like a security system, maybe like for example, where like if you're at home, your smart security system that's totally secure and can't be you know hacked over the internet, even though you have it connected to your router, um, it would work in a disabled like a lessened security mode, right? If you're home, where it isn't as um stringent on what objects it flags or whatever. I guess that's a use case for it. But ultimately, that's such a small amount of people who have that. It's a very small amount of apps. Like most apps do not require background location like especially games games uh, games do not require background location as a fun fact the google stadia app requires location to use on ios because for some it doesn't require background location yeah it, it claims just... it claims that in order to help set up the google assistant in chromecast ultra to get the ultimate op- optimal stadia experience access to your location is needed that seems a little suspicious. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, that seems- Google Photos as well. My favorite one is Google's Photos re- asks for always using location permission because it helps add geographical location to your photos. But but you don't take photos in the Google Photos app. And the last time I checked, you get location information on photos from the EXIF data? Yeah, from the EXIF metadata. Like the camera app will add the location data when it takes the photo, right? Like the the camera app has location. Yeah, every time like I get a prompt from Google Photos for it, I'm like, that's not how this works. <laughs> like you don't... <laughs> I have, yeah, I have many questions. Yeah, that, that one is, is, is very suspicious. Uh, so I think... Those are the key. Uh, there are some developer-related things you wanted to mention, right? Uh, I think you wanted to talk about uh, Jetpack Compose and Kotlin. Well, I think firstly, I think firstly we should talk about scope storage because that is going to be the default now for Android 11. Okay, okay. I, I yes, uh, there is uh, there is also another developer talk uh, for scope storage and uh, like. Can you explain what scope storage is like in sort of like a overview of, like? format like what what is what is scope storage yeah yeah so you have a file system on a desktop computer that does not run mac os because i guess Matt apple has locked this down but let's say you use desktop linux and you're not using a flat pack you're just using a you know a regular process by default it can read your entire file system it might not be able to modify it because of permissions but by default most files can be read on your file system from any software right that's why, sort of why like random apps tend to put like preference files in strange places. Some put them in your whole folder, some put them somewhere else, some put them user local, they put them, you know, different places because no one wants to follow standards there. But basically what scope storage does on Android is it is killing that idea because it's a huge privacy hole, right? The controversy is, well, it's my phone. I want software to be able to read it because I want to be able to browse my file system. But ultimately, and this even expands to like desktop computers. 
people don't f- manage files right on a desktop computer people just throw their shit on the desktop and that's it and on phones who who really is using files most people will say use files like their file browsing apps for downloads right obviously and say for example they saved the photo exported it from like one app and want to use it in another app and what scope storage does is enable those workflows without you being able to access your entire operating system so for example you've like you apps on android can now no longer read other apps private data and you may be thinking to yourself wait they were able to do that before? The answer to that question is yes. An application could read any file created from another application. It just couldn't write to maybe couldn't write to it, but was able to read that data. Just it just could do that. Yeah. 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 That that is the thing. It is it is actually one of the things is like it creates what is called it, it's the concept of app storage, right? The app, every app has its own, I guess, storage location data like not location yep. data. what yep. am i saying uh, no, it like storage location yeah. that it can use to store its own files that it generates creates or the user uploads or whatever right uh and it like use essentially there is a media like an abstraction layer here like that essentially is like an access control system here that they created where it will essentially be like okay so you can access this you can access your own app storage and you can access this other directory that the you, you that when the user gave you permission to access that's it that you can like the user equivalent of a home folder right you'd be able to access on the phone and that's it and if you want to access you can access certain file types too if you're trying to access photos if you're trying to access user media you have to call the file the like the photo picker api or the media picker api right you can no longer say access the raw files themselves the controversy is a this is slower it is slower than say using regular normal file storage yeah they they did mention that they did mention they they optimized it uh they they like a sh- there's like a shim layer like over the file API that's much faster now, uh, yeah. So they, they so they so they're aware of the issues. It feels like they're addressing all of the issues with with the scope storage system and the file API. But it is going to be the default though. It is going to be the default now and mandatory for Android 11, which ultimately is I think the right move because while I I think. There's the argument to be taken, right? If I put on my my open source hat for a minute, you know, my Linux desktop user hat, that these are objectively lessening the quote-unquote user freedoms of an Android user. But ultimately, who does this benefit, right? These moves benefits non-technical users. And you, the person who runs a team, whatever, like TWM, you know, custom launcher and runs Lineage OS on your phone, it might make things more annoying for you. But ultimately, the greater good is is better impacted by Google locking this yeah, off. I, I think I think people have to remember that Android is an OS used literally by billions of people. Uh yeah, I think when you think about it that way, it like all of these things make sense. Like, why wasn't this? Like, why wasn't the OS mediating access controls this way before? Like, uh, why was it a lot? Like, why would apps be able to access any other apps? Uh, app storage and like that—that's not good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it will—it will certainly make certain apps impossible or make them much harder to implement. Uh, so so I think as as with any like security related change there's always a compromise between uh between like between security and ease of use uh both for the developer and the user right and in this case i think the user is benefiting more than it it's it's gonna harm any any developer at this point so so i'm not really like concerned about this one uh i I think this is overall like a good thing for users uh android users uh overall um 
So let's let's talk about the developer stuff here. Like I, we, you wanted to talk about uh, Jetpack. Yeah, we have Jetpack Compose and and Kotlin a little bit just for a minute. Kotlin. Okay. So so what is Jetpack Compose? It's a it's a it's a UI framework. Basically, it's a declarative UI framework. It is the equivalent of Swift UI. So essentially, what this means is you it's a you descriptively write code rather than using like an event system if that makes sense whereas if you tell like a normal like python script right you would say when this happens the next thing and then but rather how jetpack compose works is you're going to say there's a button here i want the button to look like this i want it to do these you're describing what you want the scene to look like and then the system renders it out oh uh, yeah, yeah i'm looking at the code here yeah yeah i'm looking at some of these examples of this show. and even if you don't know how to like if you don't know like kotlin right like that's still very readable you can see it's the oh there's a text box and there's a dot size okay that's probably how big it is there's a color there and I wanted to mention it just because this is they did release last year in preview and it's still in preview but it's been more fleshed out this year and I am just very happy seeing this becoming a thing that's being spread around mobile because while this originally started sort of as like React was the big framework and ill JavaScript, right? But the idea is that you making writing software and making writing good user interfaces far more accessible is a net benefit because while some more advanced patterns right are hard to do like i've ran into some walls in virtual studio where i kind of have to like do some kind of hacky bullshit because it's not as fleshed out yet to do some sort of interface patterns like if you like i think good one is animations let's say for example right now on virtual studio if you want to look at the preview page right it appears as a slide over where it pops up from the bottom you like how an ios like the music app right or podcast or like sometimes things sort of appear from the bottom and go over the content that doesn't really make sense for like a preview window whereas you kind of want it to be a full screen window i have to do it that way just because there isn't a native swift ui way to make a full screen window yet but and you'd have to do like a lot of hacky bullshit to create a custom window and a custom animation to pop it over on view. And so th- there's some limitations there, but that's because it's new, not because it's like this method of writing applications is hard. Because ideally, the benefit here is if, you, if you're abstractly describing user interface elements and how they work, you aren't writing user interface code directly, which means that you get a lot of things for free. Like say, for example, you get a button and you want that button to do this action and you give this button a label. On iOS, it works this way. I haven't looked enough in the Jetpack Compose to say it works on Android, but you get voiceover for free. Like your app is voiceover ready. If you if you do it in a Swift UI, right? Like it it already it already does that for you. It does like because the system knows that you're calling a button and that you're giving it this label, and it also knows what the action of that button is, and therefore with those heuristics, it'll give you voiceover for free, and it'll basically it'll work. It'll be more accessible without you having to do a bunch of custom work to make that accessible. And I would imagine it reduces like UI bugs as well. Like it would make like code more read, like UI code more readable, right? And more maintainable as a result. Because you, you don't know Kotlin, but you look at, you look at those examples you have composed. You can at least get an idea as to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at one of these examples and I'm like, I, I, I don't know what everything does, but like I can sort of understand what, like there's a text sample. So I imagine this is like a text related thing right and it's like there's a card and a row and a width value and a container and a and the text value so it, it's very like as you mentioned declarative right like it's you declare what the ui is and what it's 
supposed to look like and it, and the and the system generates that for you which which is pretty cool uh it certainly is more readable than writing uh xml i would say because uh, <laughs> um i know it's been a while since you've had to write xml for android layouts but i i remember way back when this is like 2000 12 13 ish just like trying to like do android development and just like looking at uh, i remember back when you had to use eclipse before android studio and you'd just write xml to like do layouts and that's a whole mess so this is so much nicer and i don't know i just like wanted to sort of say that this is a nice thing i appreciate this existing um yeah it's 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 cool that uh you like ui like uh, mobile ui frameworks are moving in this sort of uh declarative way of doing UI. It's it's very actually it's very interesting to me personally because I'm not like a, a programmer programmer. So it's like easier for me to understand what it's going on with a UI framework if it is written like that at least. Uh or even if you wanted to do like a little sample project, right? Let's say for example you wanted to fix the the notification problem for Overwatch and you wanted to basically like make a little app that does notifications for you by default, right? With this framework like you can make a super quick UI. It might not be pretty, right? But you can make a, a quick UI that's serviceable. It's not. It might, it might be. Fun, it might not be you pretty, but it will be functional pretty fast. Like I think from to get from zero to a hundred, like you could iterate on apps probably much faster than you if you had to do it manually, right? Yeah, you don't um, have to like you don't have to know how the delegate pattern in iOS works or how event loops work or anything like that because it doesn't matter because you're just doing a little interface that that will let you get notifications for your Overwatch streams. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, the other developer thing is is Kotlin, right? And what is going on with Kotlin this year? So uh, Kotlin, basically, I just want to bring it up that Google's now focusing on Kotlin first. They're still supporting Java APIs, but A, it's Java, which is gross. Like, objectively so. Please do not come at me defending Java because I don't, I don't want to hear that. Like I'll take I'll take some bad takes my menchies, but defending Java in the year of our Lord 2020. No. Kotlin, however, looks very nice. Kotlin, of course, is like the Swift equivalent to like how Swift to Objective C, Kotlin to Java. I am very much in favor of more Kotlin because all the Kotlin I read, it looks nice. And I and I wouldn't cry if I had to work in Kotlin. Whereas if I had to work in Java, I A would probably have to install the JDK and I don't want that on my computer. Yeah, you would have to install. I mean, you have to install the Android JDK stuff, right? And Java and JDK. Whereas Kotlin, I can get away with writing Kotlin in my hip new Electron code editor. But that's all I wanted to bring up. Android 11 overall, I'm actually like, I... If if someone gave me a Pixel phone running Android 11, you know what? I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, I would be down with it. I am, you know, sometimes I almost consider it. Like, I almost think, hey, what if I got a Pixel phone? And then you realize uh, your phone would die in like three hours because of shit battery life and that dream goes away. But software, <laughs> not bad. Uh, let's let's talk about some video games. Uh, and because this week, uh, what happened? Uh, so since E three is not actually happening, every company is doing their own little uh, events and press events and whatnot. Uh, so first up, uh, we have Sony. Uh, Sony did their PlayStation event, I guess, uh, whatever they're calling it. Uh, state of the future. State of state of play. Uh, I don't think that's what it's called. But no, state of uh, future gaming. That's what it was. State of future gaming or future game uh, future of gaming show something. It was dumb. Uh, so like so what what was the, the, the they just showed off a bunch of game trailers right like they had a bunch of game trailers and they had they showed off they showed uh an image of the uh PlayStation 5 hardware uh let's talk about the games first uh we can we'll get to the hardware later and there's a lot to be talked about about the hardware I feel like uh so let's start so 
they I, I missed this bit of the presentation because I didn't I didn't know what the stream URL was. And I was like I wasn't I wasn't aware of this. So like I missed the first bit where they just showed GTA five on PlayStation 5. <laughs> and and I'm just like GTA five is like okay, I mean sure, all right. I mean is that really the one that you should be starting with? Like I, I don't I don't like you know what's you know what's you know what's sad, right? Yeah. Imagine imagine being at Rockstar and spending the past seven years, eight years of your life working on GTA five. Like imagine how much of the world has changed and you've just been maintaining the shitty engine from 2013, 2012. I mean like, I hope the job security is good because Oh, uh, the job security is beautiful. That game makes so much money, but ultimately yeah. like Oh my yeah, god! I mean, like I was, I, it's like yeah, it's it's like getting another. I would rather be working on chat apps at Google than like maintaining a Grand Theft Auto game just for fun. Oh my god! Uh, so instead of Grand Theft Auto because it's not interesting, let's talk about the other games. Uh, let's start with uh, let's go in the other. There's gonna be a, a Waypoint uh, uh, link which has the which has the embedded trailers. I'm just gonna go in that order so it, it's uh, easy to follow. Uh, so Spider Man, Miles, Miles. Morales. Uh, this one already, I was like, hell yeah, uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm, I loved the PS4 Spider-Man game. Uh, it was very, fun, very good. Uh, I enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, and apparently, this game is actually not like a full-fledged game, but like a side game. Or like they, it's not- uh, they're equivalent it to um, the Lost Legacy Uncharted game. I don't know if you played that one. Yeah, so I'm like not entirely sure what the scope of it is completely. Uh, nobody seems to be completely sure of the scope either. Uh, and the Insomniac Games is developing both this and also uh, Ratchet and Clank, which we'll talk about next. Is like- yeah, I would say I would also say just um, there is Jita over at Waypoint put out a good story on how. With this announcement, black characters always end up being side stories, and I think that's an important read that I would I would recommend our audience take a look at. It is it in the show notes? Uh, it's definitely one of the. I know some people were excited that we have a, a Miles Morales, a black character on screen, uh, uh, you know, being the being the main character of, of a video game. I know, like, yeah, if it's a side story, that makes it a little bit uh, iffy, right? Uh, He's so. basically like the. It's still a little bit confusing because originally Insomniac did say it was an expansion for the remastered version of the original game and then said it. So it's, it's a little. So I would imagine it, it is going to be like the Lost Legacy situation where you have uh, a, a, basically a sort of a spinoff uh, game. I don't know if it's a spinoff, but. But it should be a sequel, I think is the point, because just like, A, in the world of comic books, like God, as the Peter Parker story has been on so many times. Yeah, I don't care about like. Okay, look, I don't care about comic story, comic book stories in general, but I really don't care about Peter Parker uh, as a character. Uh, to be honest, this is my my hot take in the world of Marvel, um, which a fuck Disney, but in the world of Marvel, the characters with the the black characters and their storylines are always far better than the white characters. Like, um, I think this, is it a current run of Iron Man where it is a it's a a black woman who is Iron Man right now. I cannot remember her name. I've read a little bit of it, and that has been a good storyline. And also, um, yo, like, give me miles, more miles, Morales. Like that would be, yeah, yeah. Give me that shit, bro. It's 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 
good. Uh, high def Miles Morales. Uh, I like it. 4K HDR. Uh, 4K HDR Miles Morales. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the other Insomniac game, uh, which was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Is is what it's called. Uh, and this one is a uh, is supposed to, I guess, supposed to be a graphical and technical uh, showcase. I guess, right? Uh, more. Th- it's like. They were clearly trying to demonstrate fast loading times, right? Uh, and like high, high density of particle effects, uh, and like all sorts of, and, and the reflections. You need to look, you need and, to look at the, and, floor. the RT, and real time, uh, ray trace reflections, maybe. Uh, I think, I think this game though is a big sell on what the technical specs of Nexion actually means. Because I've seen a lot of games Twitter just be like, these nerds are talking about computer things and I don't. no one's explained to me how it matters for actual gameplay. And I think Ratchet & Clank is just sort of like, look at that trailer and that's actually probably the best example we have out of this entire showcase of what next-gen hardware could do. Uh, it definitely is like, it showed off like how, what the system could do in in like a very like visually and I will say uh Sony uh please up the bit rate of your streams because uh, uh or like I don't know stream at a higher resolution I, I because this game especially when 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 they were showing off all these large amounts of particle effects and things moving around really fast uh it got a little bit uh blurry uh, as as is expected of a video stream of that sort of bit rate, uh, is it's gonna get blurry. Uh, so not not the greatest stream quality. So um, that's one thing. But otherwise, I think this looks cool. It's just, I mean, I'm not like invested into the Ratchet and Clank world or universe or characters or anything else. But like, it it does look like a decent game. Like it it feels like it'd be a fun game to play. Like. Uh, just just to fuck around it it looks all the effects look really cool the reflections are are good shit you know uh love love me some i'm gonna enjoy the digital foundry video of this of this game it's gonna be good uh looking forward to that uh did we get a release date for any like so far i don't think we get it really no all those holiday basically like none of these had like distinct release dates also this game does run at 60 if i'm looking at this gameplay trailer properly it is an encoded 60 video and it, the frame rate does look like it runs at 60. It does. I mean, from from what I saw, it did look like it was running at 60. Yeah, it looked smooth enough. Well, the Sony stream was, was 30. So the entire Sony stream was encoded at 30. But IGN has a gameplay video up that's encoded at 60. And it looks like it's hitting that 60. And ultimately, like, I, it's just the reflections. Like, you could tell none of this is screen space. And this it's is just... <laughs> it's not screen space. Uh, it's not... Uh, I mean, it looks doesn't look screen spaced, but I I I'm not like I'm not proficient enough to tell the difference. Like, well, the screen space. You look at the edges, right? Because if you look at how a screen space reflection would fade in and out as the camera viewpoint moves, whereas these ones, you move the camera, that reflection's already there. That's how you can tell the difference, right? I see. Okay, that's a very subtle difference, but I like I yeah. Uh, Speaking of reflections and uh, tech, like graphical fidelity, Gran Turismo Seven uh, was was got an announcement trailer. Um, it's uh, well, I I don't know, like I I don't know what else to say other than cars look pretty. Uh, that's 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 that's, uh, that's good. Like it's 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 a it's a sim racer, uh, and it's the it's the PlayStation sim racer. So 
you know, uh, certain people are very excited because we haven't had a Gran Turismo game in a long fucking time, right? Uh, like a proper Gran Turismo game. I think we had Sport on the PS4, but we haven't had a full on one. Yeah, like there was no like proper Gran Turismo game for the PS4, right? Uh, so everybody's like, oh yeah, it's, it's Gran Turismo. And I think the issue with Gran Turismo is that in the time since our last Gran Turismo game, Force has gotten really good. <laughs> like the Mainline and the Horizon series, Forza games have both gotten really good. Oh that- yeah, Forza Horizon 4 is as I keep, I'm the resident Forza Horizon fan. Um uh, and Forza Horizon 4 looks really fucking good. Uh, and also, I should mention, this is another, it's another victim of the low bitrate or whatever of the stream, because racing games look bad on streams usually because there's a lot of like movement that doesn't look, it, it like the encoder basically sh- uh, displays a blurry mess uh, when you have that kind of thing. It's very hard for encoders to like do a good job uh, unless you have the bitrate really high. So like I wouldn't judge too much of the visual quality, even though it looked all right. Uh, like I wouldn't like I it, would pro- it probably looks better in like when you actually play it than it look it'll look in videos. Well, I mean, even too if you look at the encoded trailers, they are encoded at like 4K and higher resolution, so it should be less of a problem when you're looking at the actual trailers after the fact. Because none of these are cuts from the Sony stream. These are all individual gameplay trailers uploaded by the devs. Oh, yeah. It, I know it looks much better in the video than it does in the... Uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. The 4K version looks much better than what, what they showed off in the... Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely much better. It looks more smoother. Uh, I'm looking... F- I'm, I'm not really into, like, this kind of racing game. But, uh, I mean, I'm not completely opposed to playing some of these. So, so something like that. Uh, so, so that's, that's fine. Uh, project, how do you say that? Uh, Athea, Athea, um, this the new, uh, I guess it's, it's a Square Enix, uh, thing. It's a Square Enix. I don't know what it is, really. It's uh, a Square Enix game that's made by the Luminous Studio, which is the same people behind the Luminous Engine, which makes me interested because noted, um, Final Fantasy Tetsuya Nomura fans will know that. Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 both jump ship to Unreal Engine 4 midway because it issues the Luminous Engine. So it's what I'm thinking. This is the studio that actually makes that engine that Square Enix owns. So I'm curious, is this an Unreal Engine 5 game? Or are they still working on Luminous and trying to bring that to next gen? Yeah, that's what... That's, uh, and, and I, like, I, it's, it, it's just... It didn't like the game. There was no gameplay on it. And it's like a teaser trailer. And it's not like... I don't know what kind of game it is. Like, it, there's no... There's no hint of it. But like... I mean, it looks good, but it's that's that's not really indicative of anything. Like, it's too early to say like if the game. Yeah, I think the engine's a more interesting story here, just because like Square Enix has had like ten years of work put into this engine, and we only gotten one game out of it. We've only gotten Final Fantasy 15 and no other games out of this engine. So I would imagine they're not throwing it away if they're if they're doing building a game in that engine. They do not want to throw that all that work away which would be an interesting uh i mean because luminous does look nicer than unreal like Final fantasy 15 on pc at ultra looks better than anything you've seen than for uh the the unreal engine 4 games that squares put out <laughs> i mean kingdom hearts 3 uh whatever is i mean Final fantasy 7 remake looks really fucking good in my opinion uh no no but- i'm not saying they don't look good it's just that luminous does produce nicer looking like final fantasy 15 it looks better than final fantasy 7 remake yeah does. it does have a certain like visual fidelity upgrade to it and uh i'm, I'm curious uh, So the, the next game is um uh, everybody was <laughs> uh stray the uh, annapurna interactive published uh game um which 
you play as a cat uh, with a backpack. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'd sell it anymore. Like that's, I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the pitch. A cyberpunk uh, cat with a backpack. Let's get it correct. Cyberpunk. Okay. So in a world with, with robots, with like Apple to E faces, uh, you know, uh, interesting. I like, I, there's no, there was no gameplay. Uh, so like, we don't know what the game actually is going to like play like, uh, but I am extremely curious about a game where you play as an animal because that's not really, something you see that often right uh so i'm 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 curious uh especially because it's a cat uh what's next uh this next one i was just like what the fuck it's some uh returnal that has a horrible name that sounds sounds like something much far worse (laughs) it's a very bad name like the first thing when i when they said the name uh i was like that's a terrible name uh who the fuck comes up with video game names uh please like what is what the fuck is that name um but the point is that you are stuck in this loop right and trying to figure out like you're stuck in this loop where you die and then you come back to life right and on this strange planet that keeps changing right that's the pitch uh and there's not much there's like not really like not really gameplay. It seems to be like a shooter of some kind. There's shooter elements of it, right? It seems to be more like uh, a psychological horror shooter kind of thing, right? Like sort of a yeah. There's a couple games of like time loops and stuff. I mean, it's just that most of these games were just basically like little trailers that didn't show much gameplay, right? Like Sackboy, like all the like the next couple of games. Like ultimately, like I think we should maybe just skip and just do like a couple of ones that we think look good. Uh, let me, let me, okay, you know what, we should talk about Goodbye Volcano High, I feel is one that we probably, it's, I mean, it's, the it's, I know some people want, some people are like, this is mastered on the game, uh, um, and, you know, it, it is certainly hitting all the, all the check marks of, uh, what Mastodon might like, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it sounds like it, cliche, the game, because if you check the Steam page, there's more description on it. And it's basically like, it's the same thing as Auction for You, which is like some white kids in the 90s get stuck in a cool time loop about like the world ending. It is, there are so many tropes being executed by this. Yeah. I, you know, and it, I was, I did, I, I, Auction Free is another game I did not finish, actually. I do have it, and I never got finishing it because I was just bored. It, like, I was nothing about it. Like, like it, the music is good, but like, I did not find the premise very interesting at all. Uh, like, I want to know the, what this game does that Life is Strange, Oxen Free, and other games haven't already done. And based off the information we have, there's not a whole lot. Yes. Uh, so that's, I mean, I'm cautiously, I'm like cautiously, okay, at least the art style is good. I don't know. Uh, so I wouldn't, I, like, I'm, I'm not like, I, I don't have high hopes because. Uh, there's a certain thing. This kind of game has like a certain, like as you mentioned, like a certain trope almost at this point, right? Uh, it 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 has to depend on the execution of the story uh, and the narrative. Uh, so let's let's hope uh, for the best, I guess. Uh, it does have queer characters in it, uh, so you know that's a, that's a thing. I hope they execute those well uh, as well. Uh, another game that I should mention, not because I think it looks good, but I think it actually showed off really badly, is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, and I am very confused by this game because it just looks bad. Like, I, I don't know if you think it looks bad, but, like, the, I watched the trailer and I was like, what is that? Like, it just feels kind of 
What's interesting is this game was shown off last year. Remember, it was shown off it was a Devolver Digital show. It was shown off there, and it looked completely different than it looks in this trailer. Yeah, it looks. I and it looks like I. I it's, it's like first person ish, a first person game uh, with like magic related things going on, and uh, and I don't know if it's just a bad trailer or what. Like it, it's I. I don't know what to expect of this game to be. To be honest, uh, what else? Uh, I would say maybe um, Solar Ash looks pretty good. It looks like it has the same art style as um, what was the game on Apple Arcade? Cyanide Wild Hearts. It has a similar style, art, similar art style. Oh, Cyanide Wild Hearts. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitman Three is not. I mean, Hitman Three had a like a trailer, but it obviously is gonna. I mean, it's gonna come to PC and other consoles as well, right? And Hitman Three, which I'm excited for, by the way, I think it's. Uh, I think there's a, there's a Dubai level that this showed, and I'm really excited to be able to play. Like I, I'm looking forward to that. Like I love I love it, man. Uh, and like the game, the gameplay, and I'm the, the, their level design is in, like very good. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what uh, NBA 2K21? I don't know. Um, That's a meme. Who cares about NBA? Although Demon Souls is getting remastered, and um, I really hope I I really hope they keep that trademark frame pacing issues you know i love a good souls game that can't hit a stable 30 i i will i still won't play this game oh my god Chesa. uh this is done by a western studio right this is getting done by a western studio yeah, yeah it's uh, being remade by a western studio so hopefully they finally put the ability to pause the game in an easy mode in <laughs> every souls fan is going to be in your mentions after this episode bro. Uh, please if you so- want to at me with your opinions on why easy modes are bad um you can send them to at packetcat at 10forward.social and then we'll immediately both block you because the opinion that games don't need easy modes are bad there's no real debate to be had um although i think all, all jokes aside i think actually remaking a game like demon souls that is notoriously hard to play because it's just like the, the platforms it's on like it's you either need like original hardware it's, yeah it's like it's on ps3 right and like it's hard to obtain a ps3 like not hard to obtain but it doesn't run very well right i think that's that's also not I think you think you can emulate it. I, I believe you can emulate it, and it doesn't run that well. I, I don't know if if anybody if if there are any Demon Souls fans in the audience, please do let us know what 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 uh, if you're excited for this. Yeah, it was only it was only a PS3, and it's never been like re released. So yeah, like it's the fact this this is a game that needs like a a good re release, a good full. It's like a full remake, I guess, like full remake or stretch. Uh, right, right. right. Uh, uh, Resident Evil Eight. Um, I am not a Resident Evil fan, but I know there are some people on on Master that were very excited for Resident Evil Eight. Uh, I don't mind Resident Evil games. But I feel like this is a bad trailer. Like it just this trailer was weird. This is a weird trailer. Yeah, it's not a good trailer. I didn't think it was a good trailer. Uh, I don't know if it really showed off what Resident Evil is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it did. I I'm not a Resident Evil fan, so I, I, maybe it wasn't for me. The last Resident Evil game I played was like four or five. I think it's been a while. It's, I've not caught up okay. with the story. Uh, it's been a while. Oh, that's a while. Yeah, that's a Resident Evil for is, is yeah. uh pragmata looks like a, a kojima game but it's not a kojima game uh i don't know what the fuck it is really uh death stranding space i think death stranding space edition uh sure uh and then the last one last one is is my baby uh horizon zero dawn's sequel <sighs> they're calling it i hate this title by the way it's horizon forbidden west uh 
I, I do not do not like. What if this they title. did? What Just, if they did the thing where instead of being Horizon Zero Dawn, it was Horizon Zero, but there's a two in the middle of the zero, so you know it's a sequel. Fuck that. That's <laughs> that's worse. Actually, that's actually worse. I hate. I like the Resident Evil did that. Like Resident Evil had Resident Evil Village. I'm like, and and the uh, eight is like part of the village. You know, Roman numerals. Hashtag Roman numerals. Uh, I don't like that shit. Don't do that. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, it looks, uh, so it looks, it's set in like California ish, uh, and like, uh, it looks like more, more, more of the, more and more Horizon Zero Dawn stuff. Like it, Aloy is still the main character, etc. There's, there's bigger monsters, I would guess, and different kind of monsters. Uh, I'm looking, I'm extremely looking forward to getting back into that sort of gameplay, uh, and the world. Because I really did enjoy Horizon Zero Dawn very much. And this is as- like the one trailer I think that I don't question that this is how the game's going to look because it's Gorilla. Like Gorilla is the only studio here that I know for a fact won't do a bullshit. No, it's going to look like this. Yeah, Gorilla Games always. Yeah, like Gorilla Games had trailers. Yeah, like they usually have like the trailers are usually like in game footage. Usually, uh, not all, entirely representative always. I feel like, but mostly representative of of what the game will look like. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I am extremely curious what this game will look like on PS5 and how it'll run, right? Uh, I know, like, the PS4 version had, like, a performance mode, like, where you could get, like, higher frame rates, right? Uh, versus the visual fidelity mode. Uh, so, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, that, 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 like, Horizon Zero Dawn was recent. I got a PS4. Uh, so they got me. They got me, bro. They got me with another Horizon. Well, I mean, this is going to come to PC if you just wait a year, right? <laughs> I mean, in in a long time from now, um, if it even happens, right? Uh, so, so yeah, so they got me. Uh, that's this is the game. Uh, that's the guy. let's talk about the hardware. Let's let's talk about this fucking new age ish uh, looking thing. Uh, so we have. The PlayStation 5 hardware reveal looking like uh, uh Asus router. Uh, and Chosa here is has the controversial opinion that it looks good. Uh and I and I think it looks it just stands out too much. Uh and it's gonna look out of place in a typical home theater setup. Uh and it's gonna it, it just has a weird weird angles to it. Uh I am not I, I don't I'm I'm not uh really into it. Uh, give me my black boxes, please. Uh, just, just give me my black boxes. Thanks. Uh, so what do you like? So what, what, what is, what do you think? Like, what, what is your opinion on the design of this, like design language, I guess, of this generation of Sony console? Uh, I think color plays a lot into why people are not a fan of this design because the black and white two tone one is not everyone's taste. Um, I, I think that I think that a lot of the opinions are being blurred by the fact that it, it, it is not one single color. Like, if you saw a whole black version of this, I think people would be a lot more okay with it. I mean, yeah, if, if, if it was an all-black version of this, I would be more... I'm slightly more... Uh, I still think it's a very uh, bold design, uh, to put it politely. Uh and I don't know if it really. Well, ultimately, you have you have a design challenge here that you also have with the Xbox Series X, right? Where it's these are running AMD processors that are going to run hot and a specific thermal envelope, and you have to design for enough cooling. Because you look, at this thing's all vents. This is the the Xbox, and I believe the PS5. You're just looking off the design. Follow the Mac Pro philosophy. That is 
this is a fan that air is continuously moving through. Whereas the older consoles were like, we have rear exhaust and we'll suck in some from the sides, but we don't have to worry as much about thermals. And when you have that, you can only build it in a certain way. You either get a box like the Xbox where air comes in one way and comes out the other, or if you have the PS5, the same similar one, but it's like you're, you're constrained in how the design can be. And I think the way that Sony's doing it is a better than microsoft's because it's just it, it's just it looks so i mean better is a is a, is a word in which it's, it's a little vague it's like better in which way like technically as in like for fancy well, not technically like, better in design way because the xbox is just like it's a boring box and like cool it works but ultimately like this just looks dope and it looks dope in the way of like this is a wild console design <laughs> yeah, but i don't like this this is this, this this is the thing right i don't care what the console like uh like I'm not looking at the console when I'm playing the game. Like, that's not, like, it doesn't have to, like, why does it need to look good? Like, if it, like, especially if you're putting this under your TV, it's gonna, it's gonna go in with the other black or white looking boxes. Like, why does it? This thing's gonna sit next to a Comcast cable box first. Let's get something straight. It's either gonna sit next to a Nintendo Switch dock or a Comcast cable box. And at that point, if you have a Switch dock next to a Comcast table box at your house, you don't care about design to begin with because that's not the aesthetic you want to go for. But this itself, when you look at people's home I entertainment mean, consoles, it's just, I think it's just the white, bro. It's just the white color here. It just looks whack. Exactly. I, but I don't know. You have to think out, like, Sony loves doing custom designs. And I can imagine, like, a blue version of this, like a purple version, like different colors of this. I think work well. I would love a black for all black version of this. I would love an all black version. Uh, I, would, I would love an all black version. Uh, I prefer all black version of this. I'm not not really a fan of the white design. It, like I, think, it's, it's, I honestly think it's just the color because I think that this this is like weird Sony design, and I'm very much here for that. Yeah, too. it's you know what it reminds me of. It's, it reminds me of the Sony robot dogs exactly see everyone this is what i've been saying since the controller came out it is it is the robot dog design and ultimately i think i think the reason that i'm so like nonchalant about this is that it is going to be thrown under a tv and at the end of the day you're not even going to notice it's there regardless of what color it is that's i mean that's probably true yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of like it's kind of the hot topic right now so everybody's clowning on it a little bit you know the memes are everybody loves the Everybody loves the PS uh, PS Five design memes. It's it's, uh, it's they're all very funny. Uh, keep up the good work, everybody. Uh, but like this is also more appealing to someone say at a store because you like as much as I want to. Ultimately, I think ultimately the Xbox Series X is probably the better design for in terms of thermal constraints, where it's just literally an entire fan. Right, the entire thing is just ventilation. Yeah, it's ju- it's it's just like the vents and fans. It's just vents and fans. Yeah, uh, but this, if you go to a store, you have like that rectangle box, and you have this. And also, this is bigger than an Xbox Series X. This is taller. This is the taller one. If you use the um the DVD, the Blu-ray drive as a for scale, right, and you scale it to the other consoles, this is the tallest games console ever released. It's taller than the PS4, taller than the PS3. So I know they showed it up in the vertical format, but you can put it on its side. Like there, it, it is designed to put to be able to be put in a side. And so text that's what there are two two versions of this. There's the there's the one with the disc. Uh, a disc reader and the one without this, which they're calling the quote unquote digital edition, which doesn't have a disc drive in it. And I would, there is no pricing provided this, uh, this time. Uh, so everybody is guessing that the digital edition is going to be cheaper than the. Like 50 bucks is what we're saying because people on Twitter who like do supply chain stuff are like a, a 4K Ultra HD Blu ray drive is only like $20 as a part rate. So $50 cheaper sounds like the 
equivalent because ultimately i think that i think that this is actually designed for no disc but then they just kind of added as an option as an afterthought piece some people yeah it looks vestigial right as you said on the verge cast like gamestop called and said hey we still sell games and sony was like oh cool we got you (laughs) (laughs) yeah they i mean um Games are still like I, I still feel like discs have their place because uh, obviously in places where you don't have a good connection or your connection is uh, very limited, right? Data caps, etc. I, I I would I'm gonna fight against that. I don't think discs have a place because if you buy a game like right now, I had to um, like the other day I was installing from disc Final Fantasy 15. I had to download 80 gigabytes worth of an update. Anyways, at that point, I might as well just download the entire game, right? Like you, we 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 want to say that sure, discs still have a place, but. In what world? In what world does a physical game you buy like actually run off the disc or can be installed and doesn't require like almost re-downloading the entire game in terms of patches? Warzone, hell not. Warzone's got like four terabytes of updates if you download if you buy Call of Duty on disc. I don't think even Warzone yeah, right. Warzone is right. You can buy Call of Duty on disc and you you download four terabytes of updates every week. Every it doesn't want to update. It's horrible. But like outside of a Nintendo Switch, like game physical media doesn't matter. And that's why I think this generation, most people are just gonna like buy the discless model go go digital right they're gonna buy like i mean if i was to buy a playstation 5 i would buy the digital edition like i mean i don't i don't own any game like i don't own any ps4 discs i don't own any xbox one discs i don't own any nintendo switch cartridges like i physical media is not a thing for me uh i don't care about physical media and Especially because, I mean, I'm primarily a PC player, so which makes sense in that context is that PC has been digital for, uh, digital for a while now, right? Like, it's dig- basically digital only. Uh, there's no, like, you can, st- some, some big PC games still get, uh, disc releases, but essentially what the disc is, is just, they just give you a Steam code in it. It's not really, uh, it's not really, uh, it's not really a physical release in the same way as it used to be back in the day. Uh, so yeah, like if I if I look at my physical collection of Xbox games on my bookshelf, the only game I own that I know for a fact will not need a huge update is Wolfenstein. Um, not the not the the New Order, not the second one, the first one. I have that on disc. Oh yeah, the New Order. Yeah, the New Order is the is the yeah. That's the first yeah, one, right, or the second one in the remakes of the Wolfenstein game? Yeah, the Wolfenstein: The New Order, I believe, is the is the first. Okay, of the, re- the, the uh, first remake. one. Then that one, yeah. I know for a fact, does not. You can play it basically off disc without installing. It was like a hundred megabyte patch if you're going to do it. So that's not that big of a deal. But the other games, every other game that I own, Division Two, Kingdom Hearts Three, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Um, Witcher 3. I think the reason people still buy physical discs is for other things that come with physical discs. Well, like physical right? like like editions, to- right? Limited editions. Tostino pizza rolls, pre-roll, uh, pre-owns. No, 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 I mean like books and like art books and stuff, right? I, I know like some people who bought like the Final Fantasy VII remake one that has like, I don't know, like some other special edition things in it, I guess. Uh, like art books or whatever, stuff like that, you know? Like th- those kind of things. Those are the reasons people buy physical, but like I would imagine if you buy that kind of thing, you're not really buying it for the game. You're buying it for the for the other stuff in it, uh, which is fine. You're buying it for the Ubisoft time saver, basically. <laughs> but jokes aside, okay, here's the pitch here. So with all the games you see, with all of this, are you selling your PS4 and buying this, assuming it's like $500? Because it's totally it's going to be $500 based off of what I know about PC hardware. I mean, um, it depends on when the New Horizons Zero Dawn game is coming out. It really depends. Uh, that's the game that will sell me on this console. Uh, like, it is the game that I want to play. Like, it's unfo- like that's the Sony got me. Fucking, they got me with that game. Uh, that, that's the game I care about. Uh, so, and depends on which, what the release, like, 
like when 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 Horizon Zero Dawn is going to come out. Like that's what it's, I I don't know if I'm going to sell my PS4. I might just give it away. Just put it in the living room and put the PS5 there instead. I, I don't know. Uh, Oof! I just I'm I'm like I'm coming like some of my friends on Mass that have been posting about like the price of games and stuff, and I'm just trying to justify spending five hundred dollars on a console. Like outside of this, just in general, it's just like I I can't really justify it right now either. But like in uh, general, honest, though, it's just like goddamn, this generation is going to be expensive. It, it is a shit. it is a luxury item, uh, especially if you consider the fact that if you play one game, you buy a five hundred dollar console. Like that's that is especially a uh, significant expense and that is uh yeah that's not really as i it's harder for me to justify and like it i would have to at least that game and maybe a couple other games that i want to play let's say if i let's say if there's like two or three game two exclusive two or three exclusive titles that i want to play right uh it doesn't have to be at launch uh but like two or three exclusive titles that i want to play then i'll consider well yeah no i i I guess like for you, but I think it's like for like the general people, like public though, like just like how many hours are you getting out of that much you're spending plus like 60 bucks for each game plus external storage if you start going further into it. Like it just like this. I mean, to be, to be fair is that the uh, one, to be fair with these things is like the, the, the console is a one-time cost, right? It's, I mean, the console, the physical hardware itself is not like an ongoing cost, right? Uh, and, if if there are exclusives for it, you buy those exclusives that would buy as you would buy other full price titles anywhere, right? Like it's not I don't like once you put in the five hundred dollar investment, you're not like putting in five hundred dollars every year like on new hardware, right? At least I hope not. Uh so it's like I see it as sort of like uh like I know my, my PS4 is collecting dust again now that I'm done with Final Fantasy VII remake, right? Uh and it, it'll it'll I'll start using it again when Ghost of Tsushima comes out next month right that like that's it like it, it is basically for playing those ps4 exclusives uh yeah i guess it's just like how you def- how you like how value is defined for you yeah it's it's it, i value them as like i mean it's just yeah i'm not a big fan of the exclusive model but it is what it is right now uh no no i get what you're saying i guess it's just like for me since i just don't care about video games as much that like even like even like when I think back to like my Xbox One, like I have the I bought the original one for like three hundred, and then I bought like the Xbox One X for four hundred when it came out. God, I hope it wasn't five hundred. I hope I didn't spend five hundred on that thing. And then now I'm just like, haha, GeForce now goes burr. And then I'm just like thinking to myself, like, damn, I don't know. Like I don't. I would when I'm thinking about like Halo Infinite later on this year. Like shit. Part of me is just thinking, let's play it in Google Chrome and just like call it a day after that, instead of investing this much into it. Like if I, I don't know Halo. I mean Halo Infinite is one of those things where I'm like, uh, well, you get the PC version. You have no reason to buy. I mean, an we Xbox. got a PC version, so like, I'm not worried you about have, that. You have you specifically have no reason for. A I mean, Microsoft X. is literally saving me money right now by not by being a PC developer as well. So uh, and plus, you get like Games Pass for a dollar in the next time you promotion. Like you're good there. Yeah. So so I'm like Microsoft is the one saving me money here uh, actually, and and, not, and me not buying a console uh, for Halo. Uh, which I had to do for the Master Chief Collection originally it was the reason I bought the Xbox One in the first place. Uh, so, so exclusive games do you still work as as a method of selling hardware for these people. Uh, so, so they're gonna keep doing it as long as they can keep doing it. Obviously, Microsoft is pivoting away from that strategy, and they I think they are the smarter one uh, because overall, I think that strategy works better long term. Uh, and it's more sustainable. Well, ultimately, you make more money from services and you make more money from hardware because Sony's not making money on selling it for 500. They're selling it like maybe a little bit of profit. No, they are making money on buy- people buying games on their store, 
right? Uh, that's what they're making money for. And which is why I think they're going to really incentivize the digital edition because uh, they might even take a loss, like a significant loss on the digital edition just to sell more of them uh, and make more. Like, especially if, you, if they sell the digital edition, they, they such people are buying games only from the Sony store, which means they get the maximum amount of money uh, from you. Uh, so obviously, or even then, we know for a fact that Sony's been having issues supplying NAND stuff, right? Because in terms of like who gets flash storage first, right? For like SSDs and the controllers, it's Apple. Apple and Samsung get it first for their phones, and then everyone else fights for it. And Sony's in the same battle to get that kind of to get that storage. So they could just prioritize. They could just prioritize the digital edition to make the disc one harder to find or harder to, or like less more scarce. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's another that's a thing. So let's wrap this up. Uh, we, this 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 week's episode is gonna, is is longer than usual, uh, because there's there was a lot of lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, surprisingly, uh, next week is probably only a quarter week, and we, we I don't know if we'll have an episode next week. Uh, we'll see. Next week, we yell about destiny. That's what next week is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can yell about destiny for thirty minutes and then wrap it up. That that'll be fine. Uh, so as always, uh, show notes on twoshadesofbrown.com. The, there's a contact email there, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. If you want to send us comments, feedback, uh, Demon Souls uh, essays, I don't know uh, what people, people want to send. <laughs> Demon Souls essays. If you send me, a, oh my God, please don't send me a Demon Souls essay. I don't... <laughs> no, I like. I'm curious. Like, if, if you're a Demon Souls fan, or like, you know, you you're a Demon Souls uh, aficionado, please do. I mean, I want. I'm curious. I, I'm always curious about what people like about video games that I don't like. Like, it's like it's always like interesting to me what people like in video games that I don't see the appeal of. Right? Like, it's 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 always very interesting to me. So, like, if if you're if you're a fan of that, uh, if you're a fan of uh, Demon Souls, uh, feel free to add me at. Packet can at 1041.social. We can talk about uh, Souls games, I guess. Um, and uh, you can find me on solidsafe.com with the other links are there, uh, patreon.com slash packet cat. At Chosified, where do people find you on the internet? Y'all can find me online at Chosified.website. You can find me on Mastodon at Chitter or Chosified at Chitter.xyz. And as well, Please send me actually if you're if you've used Jetpack Compose or if you or if like you're a Kotlin fan, like I would actually appreciate hot takes on that because I I know I have some friends on, on Mastodon who do Android Dev, but I imagine they're on established projects that are using Java, and I'd be interested in like if y'all are like bringing in Kotlin in or if you're like thinking about using Jetpack Compose for some stuff because it that ultimately would. Like if I were to ever build an Android version of um, Virtual Studio, I would totally do it in like Jetpack Compose and Kotlin. Like a, I would definitely just that that seems like a fun environment to work in. Yeah, yeah. So so if you're in that in that world, if you're an Android developer, you know, uh, talk to us. Uh, I want I want to hear about like what do you think about this this beta and what do you think about scope storage? If, if you have any opinions on that, you know, uh, let us know. Uh, and as always, goodbye. Bye.